Jonathan Downs. <laughs> Kalen, thank you for having me on the the Kalen cast. The I'm first. like grateful and honored to be here. It's the kind very of first episode. Uh, it's very exciting. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, it is. I'm, I'm already feeling. Um, you know, I've done a lot of remote podcasts, yeah. right? Where you're doing Google Hangouts, yeah. and one of the reasons I was so excited about this is because there's something different about being there in person. And just all the like ranting, you know, just all the conversation that you have. And, you know, it's so much better than just having you on a Google Hangout. Yeah. It feels different. It's completely different. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, it's not only just the lag, like you can't, it's hard to go back and forth because there's a two second lag. It's just like, so I'm really excited about this. And, uh. You are gonna go down in history. As yeah, it's as something. The very first guest. I just kidding. We already get to talk for like half an hour. We had yeah, to, we had to let's kick Dude, it off. I think it's been almost a full hour, and I don't even care because we have it's eleven oh six. Yeah, there's a lot to cover. Even after we that. have all the time, we could go for two hours if we want to go next. <laughs> okay, I don't even care. All right, so uh, we'll we'll jump in. But we, uh, you've been in Austin for a while. Yeah, um, since nineteen ninety seven, and we met here. Um, we met here. I don't. When did we meet? A year ago, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. When you, uh, I think around when you moved, we kind of connected on LinkedIn and we're chatting back and forth, and had the opportunity to kind of hang out uh, in, in South Austin. You came all the way. No, the first time you, you you came up to go hiking. Oh yeah, 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 you yeah. Drove yeah. all the way up. I was like, this guy's a keeper. Nice. <laughs> this guy, this it guy. was fun. I believe in connecting. I think it's important. Yeah. You got to go out of your way to do it. Yeah. And uh, I love the outdoors, so yeah, it's a good excuse. Yeah. So, but uh, let's do a little background on sure. who you are and yeah. uh, you know what you've been working on doing. Um. So I'm John Bounce. My name's John Bounce. I've uh, I, I introduced you as Jonathan. So yeah. No, that's good. I think Jonathan's good. So I'm Jonathan Bounce. I um I'm called both at varying times. I um I had a friend who yeah. I call like Phil. You know Phil. Phil. Yeah. Yeah. I've. We, there's this whole joke because I called him Phil for like two years. Yeah. And then he was like, it's Philip, not Phil. Look, <laughs> and it's this whole you got to call me Phil. Anyway. Yeah. I'm, I think I probably should be more particular about it and I'm just not. So yeah. I'll answer to both. You're either's fine. So yeah. then you're not that like clear on which one you, you want. Yeah. I just kind of leave it up to, um, you know, whoever's using it and I probably should be more specific about it. But, um, so yeah, um, uh, I'm Jonathan Bounds, and I moved to Austin. Grew up in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, in the sort of beatific Midwest, and like um, did a bunch of computer stuff as a kid. But early on in high school and college, really kind of focused on science and and philosophy, and got an undergraduate degree in neuroscience. And I was pretty sure I was going to go to graduate school and do science stuff before I moved to Austin. Uh, my family is from Austin, and so I came here after undergrad to spend time with my family mm. and just got Austin will just suck you in. I fell in love. I knew it was yeah. incredible. And it was right around the dot-com sort of boom, like mm. 97, 98. Uh-huh. And so people were like um, hiring if you wanted to even learn something. Right. People will pay you to take classes. <laughs> I was like, I just finished paying to take classes. So I like did some time at Dell, which most people in Austin have uh, done, where they paid me to take classes on like Linux system administration. And at the same time that I was doing that, I read like the Cathedral and the Bazaar and like uh, Hackers Manifesto and I've Eric Raymond stuff. And I kind of fell in love with open source as a like 
way of creating software and as a sort of ideology because you know the most software was closed and the idea that like you could get a lot further yeah by like collaborating i just resonated with me yeah because yeah, yeah. i'm sort of an academic at heart so i was like yeah let's share this information did you ever think about doing the whole like phd route you said you're i so for sure bef before i like took a year off i was in a lab okay uh and i had been published and i was really? i knew what i was going to do i was going to work on the hippocampus and a particular Th part of the part hip of the yeah yeah so the the hippocampus has a lot to do with formation of longs from memory this is really remember i told you remind me of my buddy jonathan Austin? yeah and yeah he yeah. studied uh he studied he did all sorts of stuff with like brain scans and stuff like that yeah he went to caltech, in college in caltech yeah. very cool yeah anyway so um that's wild. But you were in a lab and you were. Yeah, I was really lucky to get to work in a, a lab with Thomas Atul in Madison, Wisconsin, and do work on um, how seizures impact sort of the formation of memory and how what role the hippocampus plays in that. It sounds kind of nerdy, but I just was really interested in sort of the practical application of understanding that physiology and. You know, that stuff is used medically to help folks who have Alzheimer's and like right. I was on a path. Right. And I spent some time even doing work overseas with some research partners there uh, in, in, uh, in and around London on one of the studies we were working on. I was really proud of it. I thought it was cool work. My grandparents, though, in Austin were at, at the point where they were probably going to move like into an assisted care facility. My dad is a was a professor at the UW Madison at that point in time, and there wasn't yeah. a ton of bandwidth for him to leave. I was yeah. like, "Well, I got a year off. I'm gonna go hang out with my grandparents. You can't do it later, right? Right. And see what Austin's like, because Austin's pretty cool. Everybody and loves I, Austin. Yeah, and like the plan was absolutely to go back, and then just pick right back up and do grad school in Madison, Wisconsin. Right. And after a year, I just ended up really kind of falling for Austin, enjoying it. And um working with uh working with open source stuff, like looking doing, you know, Linux support at Dell and then going to like hire.com. There were a lot of dot coms and they were uh there was a lot of there was a lot of desire for like Linux system administration and stuff. Yeah. It's interesting that you were part you were impacted by Dell because Dell one of the biggest probably tech employers in Austin and, yeah. and like so many people either worked there previously, went and did something else. I mean, it's like Dell has had this gravitational pull. It's crazy. Of tech talent. And I didn't, I didn't even, I don't know if we talked about it or not. I didn't make that connection that you were part of that. So yeah. No, I mean, it's, you are hard pressed to meet somebody in Austin tech who hasn't done some time. Right, that. right. They're I'm serious. Like you meet, like they like they're like, yeah. I put in my time. I was right. there for like this period to this period. Right, right, right. And right, I right. mean, I'll give them credit. They were just like, yeah, you can just go take classes. And I, that's awesome. I'd taken a bunch of odd jobs. I worked at Book People, which was fantastic, uh, second largest independent bookstore in the United States after Powell's, and uh, it's an Austin landmark. And I'd worked with a roommate matching service. So I had a bunch of odd jobs, and I was like, well. I could get a real job. And my buddy's like, you need to go work at Dell. They'll pay you to take classes. Yeah. I was like, all right. Yeah. Like sold. Yeah. And it really kicked me off on Linux and getting into op like open source software in general. Then did some of the dot-com stuff. There was a huge crash, right? The the bubble. Yeah. But 
my experience of it was if you were really engaged and interested in like software, there's so much work still to do. Mm -hmm. And so at that point I started doing consulting. I was really lucky to meet Martin Casey, who's an incredible sort of programmer and technologist and, and business person. And we started collaborating on consulting around open source solutions for small and mid-sized businesses like um started with like open office and yeah. trying to get people i mean trying <laughs> I to get like that. yeah well i and i don't know if i've ever met i used open office a little bit for whatever libre like, office oh yeah it was called that at one point too like yeah. at, i can't remember one point i didn't have a license to word and i just wanted to open something quickly or whatever yeah i don't know if i ever met anybody that worked on it so yeah. did you work on the core code bit did you contribute to well we tried to help we were we tried to help and that was the first pass it didn't last that long but we tried to help the goal was to help businesses leverage software without licensing i mean we were really into the idea that the software you're using should be like free and yeah. should be like should be able to modify it and you should be able to use it for general purposes and you shouldn't have to pay for a huge licensing fee to run a small law shop or to run a small business you right. can get these you know run-of-the-mill pieces of software like calendaring or um you know just templating and documents and you shouldn't have to pay a lot right there weren't a lot of takers that's fair um we moved towards like uh e-commerce which was becoming sort of increasingly relevant and supported a package called oscommerce is there oscommerce oh, yeah. yeah i always called it os commerce it probably is man <laughs> but so os commerce which was just really procedural and like difficult to read but open source and found that like it was there were a lot of people who needed work yeah. and it was pretty clear that in terms of marketing because we weren't marketing geniuses or whatever. Oh, this is a niche that if we market specifically to this, yeah. to OS commerce and to um, e-commerce in general, we'll be able to kind of leverage open source software to yeah. help folks, small and mid-sized businesses. And that worked. At that, like a couple years down the road, Magento kind of was introduced in 2012, I think. Sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> I always forget the day. 2011, 2012. And it was just clearly such a radical improvement over uh, OS Commerce that we're yeah. like, let, look, let's migrate our existing customers who are, are doing e-commerce yeah. to, to, to Magento and like yeah. index on that because it's clearly better organized, more stable, has yep. legs and um, pick the right horse. We're really lucky to kind of um, choose to work with Magento and for the next kind of 10 years, like grew a business around it. It was really an exciting time. We were lucky to be a, uh, um, a gold partner with Magento as an agency and like grew our business, had some, you know, local developers and um, project managers and some folks in Argentina as well. Shout out to Matias Palacios, who I still talk to almost every day nice. and just have an incredible team there and do it for about a decade. Um, at which point we were lucky we uh there was um an offer for acquisition and it was just such a great deal for everybody involved that we kind of went forward with it and that was that was just a fantastic experience and that's through like 2016 so from like 20 um 2000 like 7 to 2016 we're really focused on yeah. e open source software for e-commerce yeah and you know we were lucky to have clients like Kendra Scott and Acer and Sid Mashburn and do cool projects.
mm-hmm. like do bespoke stuff where you could like for Kendrick Scott, we do like drag and drop jewelry and like really interesting problems to solve. So I feel I'm grateful. It was really neat to get to work on those projects. And then in 2016, after um, the acquisition, I kind of have been taking some time to spend time with family and kids and travel and like um, time off. And um, I've done some consulting but not a ton. Lately, I've been really lucky to work with Hanger, or, yep. which I told you about, like Hanger Orthopedic and Prosthetic, and they have some and e-commerce. They're in Austin. They're in the domain, and uh, I'm working with Monica Nerdramanti and um, Sergio there, Contreras, and they. Uh, it is such a cool organization. They really they have a series of clinics around the United States and Canada where they help people who are missing limbs or with orthopedic issues. And their mission is just basically to enable like them. veterans and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of inspiring to see when you see like videos about people who've been helped and who've been impacted by what they do. It's a real. It really hits home, and like so, being able to consult with uh, or being able to work with those guys and like, um. Serve that mission has just been really rewarding, and nice. so yeah, That's it's exciting, awesome. yeah. That's fun. But man, that's sort of that's the overview. That's the yeah, overview, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So you ran, I mean, you built your own you know, you built a, uh, an agency solutions partner that uh, got it acquired. Yeah. Huge success. And uh, that had to be fun. We have so many, we have so many topics. I don't know where to go because there's so many interesting things to talk about. It's fu- I feel it's so fun. You know, we talked about Magento. I obviously have the Magento neon sign here. Yeah. And I've done a Magento podcast. For, but this is Kalen cast. This is the, yeah, this is a, this is a this new, is new, this is sort of a new thing. I have my mage talk pillow over here, yeah. uh, which is not currently in frame, but, um, but it's funny because I, I like the sign and stuff, but, but I am wanting to broaden out my, my, and it's something that's been happening naturally. My thinking away from just being so Magento centric. I still mm. love the Magento community. My business is very Magento centric. But um, it, it's just funny because this is our first episode. I got the Magento thing. We're talking about Magento. It is uh, super Magento right now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but now we're going to switch it up. It's going to be like it's very Magento. Flip it and reverse Cause, it. Cause we, yeah. Because we, we, we have, like, we're going to talk. I mean, there's so many things that we sort of prepped on our list of things to talk about from what podcasts you listen to, to content, to books you've read, to empathy and kindness and cognitive blind spots and things like that that um I, I i don't even know where to start but um but anyway uh yeah i think a, a good a good place to start is we could talk about like we'll like segue into some of the less e-commerce topics we could segue by talking about remote work which has a foot in both worlds Perfect. right thank you yeah i mean in that like Do you want to be the host of no, this podcast? no, no I don't. i'm so grateful to be here i'm already having a great time i had oh, a great a time blast. leading up to it um <laughs> i i'm not practiced in being a host well, i think you're already I, doing a better job than i i think it would segue. i think it would take some significant doing um remote work is something i talk about all the time it's a big component of what commerce here is about it's something you've you built an agency it sounds like on um on 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 working remotely i don't know what portion of your team was was remote or whatnot um i'm a huge believer in remote work i've worked remotely myself for i think six seven years now 
it has its challenges. There's t- it has tons of challenges. Yeah. But I'm a huge proponent of remote work in general, um, and it's something I think about all the time. You know. And uh, I also. Uh, being non-remote to people is also great, right? Like mm. we're not doing this remotely. I talked about that in the beginning. Yep. Doing remote podcasts is cool, but there's an element of it that's missing. And and it's if the technology can ever get to the point where we can feel like we're in the same room together, that'll be awesome. Yeah, and that's a whole other podcast like on that's VR a, and yeah, stuff. Right? Yeah. But I mean, as it is now, I think that it's difficult to do, but it pays remarkable dividends and you're going to get exponential returns. And the companies that are the most successful are those that are able to solve that really difficult puzzle of remote work. And I think that you do need some time in person, but it doesn't have to, but it can be intermittent and it can be quarterly. Right. And I think there are absolutely systems 100%. whereby you can have effective management. And I guess more importantly, and, and this is what I really thought about a lot at Praxis is like c- communication and, and connection way, is the name of the agency. That yeah. The name of the agency um, connection. Right. So I, I think it's really important to have a relationship with the people you're working with and like, un, you know, you know, understand the daily trials and tribulations and feel connected to kind of um, w- what your lives are like inside and outside of work and have a feeling for what you're dealing with as humans, right? When you're working on projects together. And so we made an effort to um, spend time together and also like in, you know, support events in Argentina and then in Austin and then like meet at Imagine. Um, But index on connecting outside of just work-related problems. And I think that like, no names, but I've seen a lot of structures for remote work that are basically throwing work over to the wall totally. and waiting for it to come back. And then I'll also say this, like looking for vendors or looking for lo- looking to sort of shift responsibility from it's all of us to, well, those guys that we, you know, we kind of, sh- we gave it to them and it's not coming back. It's just, too easy for it to fall into an us and them. It becomes so you have an to easy fight. thing to blame. Right. You have to fight. I think you have to fight a little bit harder for it to be, for it to be a First we. First of all, you have to believe in it. If, yes. If it, if, if it's, if it's like, okay, let's, let's try this, but I, I, I don't, I'm suspicious. Right. You'll find a reason <laughs> not for to it, do it, that it didn't work and it'll be, easy, cause it's, it is a fundamentally difficult thing as human beings. We've been sitting next to each other working for, quite a few, a couple million years whatnot right so it is a, it is a difficult thing in terms of human dynamics and if you if if you don't fundamentally believe in it you're not going to really do what you need to do to kind of make it work right you need to be committed yeah you need to be all in and you know it's like um you hear people say well I tried remote didn't work or yeah um I think remote, uh, it, there's a companies are on a spectrum when it comes to remote, right? On one end of it, they've got 40 people in office and one person remote for mm-hmm. whatever random reason. Mm-hmm. They moved to Wisconsin and they said, mm-hmm. well, you can work. And there's no tools. There's no tooling to, uh, there's no cohesion. There's a lot of, you know, in office dynamics. The remote person is not part. So that's, and on the other end of the spectrum, you've got a remote first company where everything runs through their tools 
uh, everything's asynchronous, and then everybody's somewhere in the middle. Right. You know, it's somewhere along that spectrum. This makes me think of that study that Google did on like high performing teams. You pro I'm sure you ran into this, right? Okay. Like yeah. where they spent all this time and money, millions of dollars trying to measure the impact of different like management strategies and found that first they were managing the wrong thing. So kind of loop back around and the findings in the end were that like the most when important. When did they do this? I'll, I'd have to pull it up on it like. Sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like the the findings ended up being kind of reprinted everywhere. Like it's really important to feel safe in, in the context of work so that you can take a risk, you can fail and you're going to be supported by your team, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to be supported by your management and your team. And, um, I think to that end, having, having remote workers in a successful capacity is about, can you create an environment where people feel safe they feel safe to take risks they feel right. safe like they like their job they like their folks and it's harder to do that to create that kind of i guess almost emotionally safe context right without physical immediacy right right it's possible and it's totally doable but i also think it's not what people are driven to immediately they, they don't immediately think intuitively oh i'll need to create a safe space that should be my first right. priority right. Right. Or, or an environment where workers really feel safe right and i think if you come from that perspective where you're indexing on like creating um a sense of you know comfort and safety that you're gonna get fantastic results you're gonna get fantastic workers and you're gonna get fantastic kind of work yeah and so yeah in we tried to do that as a function of spending time outside of work together, even in terms right. of like video chat and stuff. Right, right, right. But that's the needle that I think needs to get threaded. That's the yeah. problem that needs to get solved. It's hard. And yeah. I don't have like a quick, then you could just do this. Yep. And that problem is solved. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a, it's a a complicated problem to solve. There a big, uh, another component when you're, when you're thinking about emotionally, how do we feel is, do you feel connected to your team? Do you, right. some, of, some of the companies I know that are the most successful are like their Slack chat is it's fun. Yep. It's, 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 um, you know, you have a question, you post it, you get great answers from people. Yep. Right? Like if you're stuck, yep. you can get unstuck. You go, Oh my gosh, my coworker is brilliant. Like they helped me get unstuck on this particular problem. Um, and you know, and, and they're just, it's like, it's like an exciting, like, they're just the slack is popping. No, totally. Yeah. And like that you can search and find just super germane information and it's like better than email and like yeah. you can really use it as a reference point. And then I think almost as importantly, there are like channels that are totally irrelevant, but also fun that can that are that create relevant. a sense. That those of, are the most relevant. The irrelevant awesome. ones are the most re where it's just re I had this slack chat and had a buddy yeah. who was from South Africa and yeah. he created a channel called uh, America. I love it, dude. He was from South Africa, but he loves America. Yeah. He loves country music. Yeah. It's, it was like the strangest thing. And he would just post yeah, yeah. links to country music songs yeah. and like random American things. And that was like my favorite. We need to put like a Zapier connector in there and have like all the Twitter, all the Twitter, like Florida man posts yeah. route directly into that channel. You know what I'm talking about? That account, the exactly. Florida man, Florida man. Like, it's like the crazy stuff that happens in America, specifically in Florida and Texas too. I mean, I think they compete with each other for like the Twitter most account? absurd Florida man. 
I mean, I know the Florida man meme, but is there a specific it's, yeah, Twitter dude, account? pull it up, man. Yeah, it's it up. pretty. It's interesting. I want to know what was the most recent Florida man tweet. Let's see if we can find it. Florida man, is it underscore Florida man? Or is it the wrong one? All right, we'll, we'll figure it out. I think that's it. I think yeah, that I might mean, be it. But okay. it's basically a collection of news stories of things that have been sort of. Yeah, the light, latest one is related to Mueller on March 23rd. Anyway, yeah. but yeah, it's. I mean, it's so important to have fun. Yeah. Uh, everybody needs to have fun. You, 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 if like you were saying, if work is just you throw it over the fence, is it done or not? Yeah. There's no emotional connection. There's no cohesion. There's no relationship. Like. How long is that going to last? You know, um, and I think that it give if you have a shared experience outside of work, even in a channel where you guys have a shared joke or a shared series of like interests, it allows you to pull in the same direction. Yeah, and that's the hardest thing to get. Yeah, but when it's there, you can make so much progress. If yeah. everyone's pulling in the same direction, yeah, and they're not like, well, this guy is not doing it. This for you're like, hey, let's do it together. Let's pull. Yeah, remember that meme. From the, you know, I mean, it's, it sounds costly. It's just, I think there's something to be said for it. And I think that, um, yeah, I think that now you started out, you know, by talking about the company you're working with, which is a local company. Yeah. And so like, did you, uh, did you want to work locally? Is that just how it happened? Do Their you, mission like, was incredible. Yeah. I lo I was spent some time in Mexico looking at working with, uh, some folks there. I spent, I traveled, uh, some different spots in the United States to look at different folks in terms of who did e-commerce like stuff. Yeah. Um, and I spent some time looking at hangar and I felt like they were doing really good like work. Mission driven. Yeah. Work. yeah. And all it's a crazy story. They've been around 150 years. They started so immediately awesome. after the civil war. There's this guy, JG hangar who they claim uh, created the first prosthetic, Back uh, in the day, everybody's name was like two initials. I know, right? <laughs> it's like yeah. an old-timey name. Yeah. Yeah. But so, so they created the first prosthetics back there related to injuries from the Civil War. Yeah, there's a big story about he locked himself in a room and pins and stuff were passed in. And like he um, created a prosthetic limb for himself and the government um, gave him money to uh, start a company uh, to, to help veterans, to help folks who'd who'd lost limbs in the war and so right. i have like storied past and then like a great sort of present where they're leveraging technology mm -hmm. to help people you know who are missing limbs do all sorts of like mountain climbing it's inc it's pretty astonishing That's pretty so I, I feel like the combination of technology and then the care in the clinics like they have clinics you know they're a big medical presence so you can go to a hangar clinic and be fitted for like a knee compression brace or like a prosthetic and like right. the the care there was really evident and how well they did there was evident. So I found that really compelling. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I was looking at a couple different uh, spots and, and it, I think that really the mission really differentiated yeah. for sure. Yeah. I'm struggling with my uh, my segues, but uh, but uh, I want to know which podcast you listen to. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the things I was I I. I uh, I think I've been thinking a lot about podcasts lately. Um, I keep hearing people say, you know, like I, I keep seeing people looking for podcast recommendations. Yeah. Um, uh, you're not allowed to any pod talk about any podcast. I do. I'm not. A, I, that's not why I'm asking. Well, my number one podcast is Mage Talk. <laughs> Thank you. Basically, but, I mean, I think if you if you're not that, you need to 
get that right to the top and listen to all the. But uh, I I, I did a tweet recently where I listed out the podcast I listened to, and it is something that's interesting to me. So what? So let's talk. You go. Well, we'll go one and one. So you go first. Fair enough. I'll go first. So first one on my list, I'm gonna pull up my thing here. Freakonomics is a good one. Very good, Stephen Levitt. Freakonomics. Stephen Levitt. Yeah. Read the love the book. Which one is is Stephen Levitt the? I always forget their names. I always forget which one is the um the PhD and which one is the radio guy. Levitt has the PhD. Okay, we're gonna see if I'm right. I'm yeah, pretty, no, you're pretty right. confident. No, you're definitely right. Yeah. Because it's an interesting because the book was both of them and then mm-hmm. the, his partner, who I can't remember his name for the life of me, is the one that. Sort of, I think he has a background in radio, mm. and he is the Adam one that Smith? does the podcast yeah. now. Interesting. So every once in a while, he'll pull Stephen Levitt in, but it's really like his own um, Stephen Dubner. Nice. Stephen Dubner, yeah. Yeah. But it's a, it's a fascinating one. They talk about all sorts of random stuff related to politics. It's part of a genre that I really like. And By I the th- way, I like this format better where we go one for one on podcasts. Yeah. That's even better than... It's fun to hop back and forth and there start being patterns. <laughs> so I th- what I like about Freakonomics, and I, I think this is sort of an has been an emerging genre for the last, like decade or so you see it in a lot of malcolm gladwell's work is the sort of counterintuitive truth right i mean mm-hmm. the idea is that you see these sort of economic this economic data that indicates a counterintuitive truth you're like yep. nope that's crazy you're like no way and so they have like i think um a parenting book called like oh i can't i wish oh, i could I, remember I, I think i know what you're talking about yeah this is where the thing helps you know. yeah called something like a um oh but but Freakonomics for parenting and a lot of Malcolm Gladwell's work is like you wouldn't expect this, but the data really supports that like this counterintuitive truth is true. Yeah. And I love that genre. I love learning where there are these sort of ensconced truths and we're like, oh, yeah, so that's just not correct at all. And we've all pretty much indexed on that for the last century. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just not at all yeah. the case. And then 100% you, wrong. And then you completely change your thinking on it. And then five years later, they go, oh, actually, that was true. And yeah. you're like, oh, God. So somebody just, you know, make figure up their, it out. Figure, just, 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 we need figure. absolute truths in the world. <laughs> yes, the big problem is that there are probably not absolute truths. Probably not a whole lot of them. <laughs> it's rough. It would be nice. It would make things a lot easier. Yeah. Right? Which brings us to Sam Harris. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So my lack first podcast. Of absolute truths. Yeah, yeah. He's a prom- Sam- prominent atheist. Yeah, he's a prominent atheist. But I like, I mean, I think I came to know him as a neuroscientist, right? I mean, as, as a. That's interesting. So the, the guys I loved reading in college were it's like. It's also funny how we bucket people. Yeah, like, yeah. You always want to bucket somebody yeah. into one category sure right you yeah. know what i mean yeah yeah and it, i mean it is a really contentious position and so i think it's a really easy bucket to put him in yeah but i think he's more of a i mean so i came to know him before he rose to prominence as a and he did get a lot of attention for like letter to a christian nation and all this stuff right. i was right. a little bit a little harsh a little harsh <laughs> a little I, I, like i what what I like about Harris's podcast is that I think he's intellectually responsible, that he cares, that he wants to make the world a better place, and that fundamentally he's moral. And he really wants to bring a sort of uh, a rational viewpoint um, to, to morality and to making the world a better place. So he's tackling a lot of hard problems right. and talking with a lot of really interesting guests and – 
trying to do a good job of being moral and make making sort of changes outside of even the context of religion or a religion. I think an interesting like a, a podcast he just did with a guy that I find this this topic fascinating is about the big divide where it's like sort of now um what's it called like Adams to bits is the big thing. Oh yeah. Have you heard about this? I mean, I've heard the discussion around atoms versus bits, generally speaking. Right. I, I so where we used to be. create physical things that create waste and environmental issues, a lot of them are virtual now, right? right. And so the, we're, the consumptive nature of it and, and the fact that it's kind of dinging the planet up a little bit is becoming, you know, we're able to address that at least in part by utilizing technology to, for example, store music as bits as opposed to a physical, a physical thing. Right. I mean, that's just an example, right? The plastic ends up in the ocean. And right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so one of the most recent podcasts was a fellow who had written a book about this. And I wish I could remember his name. I don't. But it, it was a great dialogue on, you know, what is this phenomenon? And like, can we count on it to kind of really start? reversing things or helping us out and another thing i like about harris is he's not pollyanna he'll be like this could do a lot it's unlikely to do everything we need right so he's he's very honest he tries to be very honest that's one of the things about the whole podcast movement is that you can hear from someone directly who by the way is a neuro right scientist right right? like like versus 10 years back the only people with distribution were on tv were tv news anchors who were professional news anchors they weren't neuro neurobiologists or or whatever um uh, naval ravikant has a great podcast he's a brilliant entrepreneur um i was about to write it down i can't wait and (laughs) yeah and so that's an interesting and also you know this thing where people can just be you know honest people have less they're less incentivized, right? You look at the news industry, news is heavily incentivized by who their advertisers are. So pharmaceutical industry, all that kind of stuff, right? So in his model is a subscription model. Which and, the, and he, I, he has a I, diatribe. I got several things on that topic, yep. actually. I mean, I, he has I, a diatribe about this actually, God bless him, it's a little boring. But like it, he has a diatribe. The one thing about him is he's he's oh, he can be very slow. I mean he's a, he's brilliant. He's really smart. He's so sm- it's like he's so smart that like it's just like <laughs> it can be hard. To it can be hard to, to listen to him. <laughs> but but you feel like you come away from it with Smarter. something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Um. So I enjoy his stuff, and I think there's there's value there. I just yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um, the the whole subscription model thing is fascinating. Um, I saw a tweet yesterday that blew my mind uh, on the topic of uh, subscription content. I also talked to recently about the Spotify acquisition of Gimlet. You yeah. listen to any Gimlet podcasts? Uh, I haven't. Tell me about it. Have you heard? You know Alex Bloomberg? Yes. So, uh, so have, do you know about Gimlet at all? No. Startup. Okay. So Alex Bloomberg, he was with NPR, I think, and he had done podcasts and, and whatnot. And so he started, there's a podcast called Startup where he documented his process of creating a company that's a podcast production company. Mm. So he documented the whole process from his first VC pitch, which by the way was horrible, <laughs> and uh, and all the way up to getting funding. And so he created this company called to where they decided on the name Gimlet. And they created this company and now they've done over like 100 shows and they were acquired by Spotify. That's um, awesome. And now the last season of start of the startup podcast where they're talking about the acquisition process 
And I think about what is Spotify going to do in the podcast space? Um, will they bring a subscription model? I think will be interesting to look at because they essentially have for music. If you don't pay, you get ads. And if you do pay, you get no ads. And I think that would be probably a good model for podcasts as well. I mean, um, I'd love to pay a subscription for yeah. it, right? I mean, I pay a subscription for the New York Times. I think that, you know, independent journalism. And, and I, so I really like that you brought up there's a certain kind of authenticity yeah. and honesty and a willingness to cover, like, disparate topics. Right. And I mean, that has been missing. Yeah. It has because we're incentivized financially to be like, Elevators and malls are killing 30,000 people a year. It's a new story today. You need to be scared of elevators. Like, that's going to sell. People are going to, like, gonna really. Sell. And then somebody's going to write a book about elevators. <laughs> right? I mean, so, <laughs> like, that there can be an economic incentive. And people and respond a desire, to incentives. Right. Fundamentally. Absolutely. So, so the market does. And people who are sa selling things. Right. And so that if there's a great way to have a model. Right. Where you can deliver information that's maybe not, the, the, you know, a little bit more authentic and a little bit more intellectually honest. Yeah. That's that's great. Yeah. yeah. It's a big win. Yeah. It's a change. It's like a positive change, yeah. too. So as the tweet that I saw, did you listen to the serial podcast at all? I didn't. I should have. Okay. I didn't. It was it was an interesting podcast where um, uh, Sarah Koenig uh, did it. And it was um, I listen to way too many podcasts. I just it's absurd. She fought. She looked. She she dug up a case where somebody was convicted of a crime mm. and she drilled into it in depth. She essentially reopened the case. Yeah. She interviewed people. She looked at, she talked to the guy who was in jail and got his perspective and his voice directly. And it was just a s extremely well done podcast. And then um, they ended up after the, the podcast got so much traction. They actually reopened his case. And I, I at some point I lost track of what happened. Um, but I saw a tweet the other day which said um, that – oh, here we go. The tweet was um, – I don't have Twitter on this uh, iPad, so I can't even – I don't have Chrome. The tweet was basically, imagine if – the okay, it was Andrew Wilkinson. Someone is going to make an absolute killing producing the next serial mm. podcast, doing 12 episodes, and then making the final two episodes paid. Which is an, a little bit of a tweak on the idea of a sub. But I remember when I was listening and I was so hooked on that podcast. I love it. I would have paid for those last two. It's a tiny bit episodes. mercenary, but it's like a little, it's a you know, it's I, a I, 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 I mean, I think it. I think it makes sense, and I, and I like giving away a lot of your content. I mean, so that even though there is a bit of a mercenary element to it, you are giving away a lot. I mean, right. I think. My favorite Radiohead album is in Rainbows, and they gave that away. I mean, it was yeah. free. I right. like the idea right. that uh, as an artist, you can incentivize consumption of your work by giving some of it away. I right. think it's interesting. Right. And so. and then fundamentally, I do feel like um, advertising is sort of – it's a model that is so flawed in so many ways that yeah, I sort of feel like – I sort of feel like subscription payments are – should be the future. You know, I remember hearing that actually in China, a lot of things to talk about China in yeah. general, there's, believe it or not, more paid, con it's more common yeah. to have paid content there. Yeah. And it's like, could people use WeChat for everything and people will do, will, will pay for uh, news sites that they read. 
which it, which in the U.S. is almost unheard of. I mean, I it's do. starting okay. to pick up traction with New York Times and stuff yeah. like that. That's okay. Um, which is good, you know, which is really good. I, I think, but they're still advertiser supported, right? They absolutely are. I mean, and can you imagine if the New York Times got fully off of ads and on a subscription? I mean, how 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 much would that? How powerful would that be? It would be great. I'd love to see a model, whatever model it was, where they were able to realize some of their, like, uh, I mean, revenue has fallen off. They've made this model work, but, like, the number of folks who've been able to go into reporting uh, has decreased. Right. The f idea of a foreign bureau, the idea of, like, having folks doing real hard research and being really diligent about, you know, uh, reporting is still there right but it's there's a financial reality that makes it much more difficult right so i would love to see that facilitated by a model that basically supported it do you find that since you how long have you been paying for it indefinite i mean since it came i've so i started day subscribing one, to the new york it? times in paper when i started college oh right pa and oh, so like right. i had it oh, seven geez. days a week okay and then as soon as they went online i shifted to m most of their online i still get the sunday paper in paper nice. but i can't bring myself because it's trees right so i so can't bring myself to like i'm not going to read all of those days yeah. in paper so yeah. i get still the sunday in paper but the rest of it i just have a full account so i right. can read whatever i right, want to right, read right. yeah so because i was gonna I, I was assuming you would because i know some people who have subscribed recently as there's been a push to you know, pay for your news. And I was, uh, what the question I was curious about is, has your reading, has your consumption changed once you started to pay for it? Have you read more? But obviously it's not really relevant because you've been doing it Super forever. relevant, super relevant actually. Like, I mean, the way I read it is different and that's a little okay. frustrating. Like I'll find just like, there's a tendency if you're reading the paper paper to start at the beginning and kind of read articles and sort of go through it right. as opposed to, pop to different articles you get linked to different articles right there's less of a contiguous feeling to it you're not reading from beginning to end when you're reading it online that's right yeah and it's a different experience yeah. than sitting down and opening it up and it's kind funny of reading. How it's so hard to replicate different things in different medium yeah. media you know like yeah. that like we, people have been trying to replicate you know, just that experience reading a magazine yeah. versus e magazine, and, it's, and it never works. And it never works. No, and also that's just me being old because I'm sure that like there are kids. kids no, is, no. I, I mean there's kids who like read the New York Times. Like, what is this guy talking? Like, what is this the, guy I, it's, about? there are great articles. I'm reading all the great articles. What well, you have to open it and go have, page to page. Yeah. What is that about? It's funny because there's a there's a print magazine called Magazine. Yeah, uh, that was recently launched. That's by kind guy. of genius, dude. It's kind of cool by a guy yeah. in uh, Poland. I think Poland named Lucas and uh, it's really well done I, w I would love to have a copy of it they, they give it out at conferences so I got to get a copy of it yeah. but I saw the PDF version and uh, it's really well done great illustration uh, they got a bunch of great people Ben Marks Joshua Warren, oh man great, great content incredible did a really good job of it and uh, I want I like I want to have the actual print copy of it you know? yeah well they're gonna send you one now well the, I, I feel like yeah. it's gonna happen <laughs> maybe it'll happen <laughs> um it, on the topic of like authenticity and how like podcasts and the model for compensation like allow for that, uh, the second podcast I like is sort of 
That was so. It's called Armchair Expert. And there, have you heard of this? I've heard of it. I feel like I've heard about it multiple times. Um, it's interesting. I don't know if it's for everybody. There's this guy, Dax Shepard, who's okay, married Shepherd. to Christian yep. Bell yep. or whatever, yep. Yep. and he's just sort of remarkably authentic and willing to discuss pretty much everything so that even though the discussions oh and he had sam harris on right so he has in like some of my other favorite authors like yuval harari who wrote sapiens and homo deus he's really interested in sort of following these books and ideas and so that's what hooked me in Dad because Shepherd i was interested in those yeah okay so that's what hooked me in. i was like i want to hear these interviews with these guys i think i googled like podcast yuval to see if i could find him speaking on podcasts right Started listening to it, and I was really – it was a compelling podcast, but what kept me going on it was just absolutely willing to kind of not look good on on in the podcast or, like, just very authentic, very honest. And as a function of that, having really great discussions yeah. that were much more real, that were much more, like, about maybe – the human condition, like what we're all experiencing yeah. as opposed to like, you know, what's the next big thing or what's yeah. the top, like, you know, what's it like to be a person in the world for yeah. you now? Yeah. Yeah. And so I kind of dug into that and I listened to most of them and I'd recommend it. I mean, I think there's a lot to take away. There's a lot to take away from it. Um, so That's I enjoyed another that great one. thing about podcasts. And we talked about how people are, are bucketed, right? So mm. Dak Shepard is an actor. He's a, and he's a celebrity, right? A celebrity yeah. and an actor. So you think to yourself and a funny guy, yeah. kind of a comedian. And you think, oh, he's like, you know, Joe Rogan podcast. He's a comedian. He's a whatever. Right. He's a bro. It's He's a bro. But it's like, you can be more than one thing. You can. Right? Yeah. Like, you're allowed to, as a human being. Be more than one thing. And in fact, it's very likely that you are. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, it's, it's very extremely unlike. likely that you're more than one thing. And it's probably unhealthy not to, to, to try to just be one thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think there's a place for, I've talked a little bit about, you know, my Magento podcast and this new thing. And it's like, there's a place for specialization. Sure. And that's important. And that's powerful <clears> and from a business perspective. But there's also a place for like. And we, and we were talking a little bit about content before we started doing this. And, and sometimes I think about, well, what type of content should I put out? Should we talk about podcasts or should we just talk about e-commerce? Um, and, you know, I think that everybody, everybody in e-commerce is interested in movies and yeah. actors yeah. and uh, politics uh, on some level. Uh, what it is to be a person in the world. What it is to be a human being. So, like, on some level, it's like, hey – Put out there whatever is real to you, and and yeah, if you can target stuff that's more relevant to people, that's great too. But like, you can be more than one thing. You can be a, a funny comedian and interview Sam Harris and talk about serious things. Talk about meditation. Meditation is is one of our things of our on our list. Sam yeah. Harris. I, I remember when um, I, I first I, I, I listened to his podcast for a while. Yeah, and then I was I was like, God, I got I, I want to resubscribe yeah. at some point. Yeah. But he launched a meditation. I cherry pick it. Yeah. So I, I mean. And he launched a meditation app, right? And I remember when I first learned he's been heavy into meditation for decades, right? Mm -hmm. Like a long, like, like meditation is getting more popular. There's apps like Calm and Headspace. And, th and there's Muse. I use it every about. day. I use it this morning. So it's kind of a trend. We actually really got to talk about that. There's kind of a trend, but like Homeboy has been in it for like a long time. I think he also does martial arts. Did he mm -hmm. do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? But mm -hmm. so it's like 
it's fascinating. But on the topic of meditation, we talked about that before, and um, you you did that this, and you really like mu- the Muse. So hardware. I mean, two that. two things. First, it's interesting that he's into it, and but the data has been in on like the be- benefits of meditation for a, long time. for a long time. So neuroscientists are like, oh yeah, like this is for it's like you it's, know yeah. And it's always it's like asking a developer for object-oriented programming. Right. Is, is, a good good I- is that a good it's idea like, at all? Or yeah, should we just write the, it as we're thinking about it? It's been established yeah, yeah, for, you yeah. know, since the 80s, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like relax. <laughs> um, and I always, but it's just hitting popular culture in a, in right. a powerful way the last several years. And I think it's going to become in a massive – Gary Vee talks about that becoming a massive industry in the next 10 years. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think that um, – for me, it was very difficult to establish a practice. So I was definitely going through a lot of things that uh, when I took time off, I wanted to just sort of optimize and really think about diet and health and all this stuff. And there was a bunch that was easy to check off. There was some that was middling to check off. Um, and there was some that was harder. And so like exercise middling, like I, I now run every day for about 20 minutes. I run about a 5k every morning. I feel so much better as a result of it. It's yeah. incredible. I love it. I, You've I been could, in part could, of the inspir- an inspiration for me as I've been trying to get healthier. and That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that is. And I've really enjoyed being able to hike with you as well. It's been so much fun. And that you uh, support the mage hikes. Yeah. <laughs> it's bringing it to people. I mean, that's so great. Um, so that was middling. There's some stuff that's easy, um, like maybe journaling every day, or it was easier for me. Meditating, I could not get it to i could not get myself to sit down and do it well i would i didn't feel like i could wrap my head around whether i was doing it right whether i was get like i'm there are all these benefits (laughs) the data is there is totally clear right but i'm assuming you have to do it away you're three minutes into your 10 minutes yeah i'm like like, what what's going on am i um but I'd also read and corresponding studies around like biofeedback being just fantastic for like anxiety and right. like all different stuff. So they had folks in California and different like s- locations where they'd done studies and looked at if you would get biofeedback on your heart rate and you could, as a result of what you were hearing, like kind of decrease your right. heart rate. Right. But you had that cue coming in that allowed you to understand when your heart rate was going up or down. Right. So I saw this thing online called Muse, which looks at EEG from you put it around your head. It's like a little band. It's like hooks into your brain. It hooks into your brain. Straight up hooks into your brain. <laughs> it's like the They're probes. They go it. through your ears. No, <laughs> they're not. But it's uh, it's an EEG. But it's literally measuring your yeah. brain waves. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. EEG reading. And it like I was quasi familiar with this and that i'd done i had they used to make so when i was in neuroscience and in the labs they have these huge caps Crazy with all wild. these wires coming yeah, off yeah, them and yeah, you yeah. have to put gel in right, and do all right, this stuff right, right, so right. the fact that they've been able to take this technology and make it smaller and get realistic eeg readings and make it look cool and make it <laughs> does it look cool? i don't know whether That's it looks cool or not cool. um but it looks cool on the model. Yeah, the, the I'm thinking if you saw me in it, you would not. You're not quite not, as hot as you. Nah, is, right? I wish. I'm not. Um, but getting that feet, you, you checks your heart rate, checks your EG, uh, and checks a couple other like uh, skin capacitance and like gives you feedback in the form of like rain in a rainforest or whatever. And so yeah. when you're, and you can tell like when you're kind of harried and you're looking around, it's 
a sort of thundering rain and there's a lot of noise. And then as you're able to calm down and slow your heart rate, it slowly goes away. That's such an amazing user experience, it sounds like. Well, it sounds so cool. The thing that was interesting to me was I wasn't always aware of when I was getting wound up or being calm. So having that as a cue allowed me to check that one off because right. I, I couldn't, I didn't know. I wasn't getting feedback. That's half the battle is yeah. you're not aware uh, of your sort of mental state, right? And like the whole thing in meditation is to sort of observe your mental state a little bit as an outside observer and not try to ch change it immediately or that every thought that comes to your mind is necessarily you. It's just a thought that right. went through your head and you're some somewhere else observing those thoughts kind of a thing. Right? Yeah, you get to be an observer, pull back and see it happening as opposed to thinking that it's sort of happening to you and you're in the middle of it. Right. And I think that so that was one of the things I wanted to check off and add to sort of a practice of like, you know, uh, self-improvement or having a positive life and the gadget helped. I mean, yeah, yeah it's definitely a gadget, but it really having those cues, but I wouldn't have been able, I think to intuitively know when I was like right. at a relatively relaxed state. And then I would say in aggregate over time is yielded good results, right? Yeah. Same thing with running. You're not going to the first month, or the first, you know, couple months, it's not going to be like this. Right. But over time, it's sort of remarkable. You got to stick with it. Yeah, you, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. It'd be great if you just do one. It's so funny because I use the Headspace app. Have you mm -hmm. ever used Headspace? No, I've never used so it. So it doesn't have any hardware component, but it, um, it just gives you guided meditations. So it's like you listen to it, and it's a guy that says, okay, you know, clear your mind, blah, blah, blah. And uh, there's a free version, going back to paid content, there's mm -hmm. a free version and then you get a trial and then you pay for the additional version. So I was doing these five minute um, sessions and it was hard, but I was getting into a, a swing of it. And I was like, I think I can see how this is working. And then I literally paid for it and I got access and then there was no more five minutes, they were all 10 minutes. <laughs> and so I started doing the 10 minutes and I gave up because it was like, it was like, it was too much at once. It's, it's so crazy how you can so quickly give up on that, on it because it's hard to make time too. It's hard to sit still. It's it, hard to sit still. It's, it's hard, hard to, to sit time. still, but know? there are totally dividends. I do yeah. 20 minutes a day now and yeah. it seemed incomprehensible to me right. to do more. And I know people who do 30 minutes. And the guy, Yuval Harari, who wrote these incredible books and is clearly prolific and does a lot of work, does an hour a day. And I'm like, how do you have an hour right. to like, sit? How do you not? How do you not? And not? Yeah, that's true. It's true. I've talked, I run every day and I've talked to folks who are like, that's crazy. You run three miles every day, like almost every day. And I was, yeah. it's 20 minutes. It's 25 minutes. <laughs> it was actually not that, cr in the end. Yeah. It's less. Cra it's not that crazy. <laughs> it's, it's really not that crazy. Um, it's crazy in the context of America, of America. Yeah. But like, it's. I think in the end, it's actually super beneficial. And I would say, like the. Oh, we talked about cornerstone habits before. Yes, too. we got to get into this. So I mean, it. I think We're starting to improve our segues a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's coming together it's real coming quick. Together. <laughs> um. Ex daily exercise, I think, gives you a base to work with in terms of 
your capacity to be like non-reactive, your capacity to be present. Like if you've got, I, I just, there, I found this list of benefits from like the FDA of exercise and we should find it online or whatever, but it's crazy. Like you wouldn't believe it. If you saw these bullet points attributed to like a pill, you'd be like, right. you'd be like, that's that a lie. That, yeah. Like, it's like better memory, longer life, better sex drive. Like just, Every, it's, it's insane. A, absolutely everything. Better From thinking. exercising Probably 20 minutes more a day. money. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's studies that court. I mean, just everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, starting with that, that was just a huge benefit. And um, I've gone, there are a couple real cornerstone or, or there are a couple habits that from what I've read really have a disproportionate impact on positive affect, general energy. So like running or exercise in general and like uh, meditation was the second one. And that's why I wanted to check it off and get yeah. it done. And then like writing, writing helps you organize your thoughts, like how you interact with the world. Yeah. It's counterintuitive. I'm like, I'm just going to wake up and write. Yeah. But yeah. it's good. It's a I've good heard so practice. many people say that it's one of those things that I'm like, I got to do that. And, it's challenging. I, it's challenging. I've tried a few times. Um, yeah. Uh, it's also like I'm not as good at that, by the way, as like meditation running every day. Locked in. Writing. Yeah. It's hard. Have you heard Gary Vee talk about meditation and stuff like that? No. So, but I'm a fan, so yeah. I'm really curious. What does he say? So he's very much. I don't meditate, and I, I I'm su He's like I'm super happy, and he recognizes. Look, this is going to be a this is a massive trend. It's going to be a massive trend. I don't do it. And he's very sort of comfortable with himself in that in mm -hmm. the sense that he recognizes the value of it for others, but he's very much like it's not for me and I'm comfortable with that. Like I don't want to argue with you, like go for it. And it's funny cuz part of me is like, well maybe I don't need it either. And then the other part of me is like, no, you probably do. <laughs> you probably do. He's like an interesting he's character. He's very unique. He's, you know, He's not sort of neurotypical or what I mean. No, like I think they're like very unique. Yeah, character. I heard a po I think I heard a podcast in which he was being interviewed. And one of the first questions was, when have you ever experienced sort of a lack of confidence? It's right. like the first question out of the gate. Right. And he was like, you're not going to believe me when I say this, but you can ask my friends and you can ask. I haven't. That's not, first of all, I believe it. That's like, I think, thing. I think it's probably true. And second of all, like, <laughs> I don't know if you want to call that a pathology or whatever, it's but something. like, that's not <laughs> like, not we're not normal. that guy, dude. Like yeah. that's, that, yeah. I mean, that's not typical. There, yeah. there are things that really You've stand out. Some chemistry that's right. unique. So he might not need to need to meditate, but for, I think for most, he might, he's probably, he might be the exception that proves the rule. Yeah. Or he does need to, and he doesn't realize it yet. That but that's also possible. It's right? well established. It's well established. Uh, science at this point. Yeah, there's so much hard data on boring stuff like heart rate and yeah. and factors that basically contribute to cardiovascular health. That it's sort of hard to argue with it. Yeah, um, yeah, it's really hard to argue. Yeah, I really um, I want to get the muse and try it. Yeah, um, it's one of those things I've I've I just I keep telling myself I got to do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it soon enough. Um, I had somebody ask me recently about um i can't remember what it was but i told them about the muse because mm. of you because somebody somebody asked me about something about it but anyways uh yeah it's i mean it is a gadget but i just found and i think there are folks who really do have more insight and are able I, i'm not i would not 
say you need that to meditate. You yeah. should absolutely give it a shot. It helped me, I think, access, understand when I was getting ramped up. And that's great. But I think that even if you sit in this, you sit, sit still for 20 minutes, there's a radical benefit to that as well. You don't need to spend whatever the muse costs Do to you, start meditating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few hundred bucks or something. Yeah. Do you know Ryan Holiday? Yeah. He's yeah. like a marketing guy. He did a bunch of stuff. Like, American Apparel? Yeah. And he was, isn't he in Austin? He's in Austin. Yeah, yeah. that's what I thought. So he's. I've so, read some of his work. Or, yeah. Or and he's written books on stoicism. Like he's, like, it's funny. He's, you, you think, you think of him as like American Apparel, like marketing guy, like putting out campaigns that are very, get a lot of attention and there's a lot of controversy, controversy around that. And then, um, I, I, I only learned about him in more recent years but he's written about stoicism he has a recent book called stillness is the key mm. which is talking essentially about meditation stillness but he kind of broadens it up and 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 i saw an interview with him on i got the audio book i, I haven't got very far in it yet but it, i i saw a couple of interviews with him on it and he said you know and you kind of touched on this he said you know meditation might not be the best first step the best first step might be to take a walk because it it moves you towards stillness in the sense of we all have so many things going through our brains all the time. We're so distracted and getting towards that state of stillness, you know, for you, for it might be better to just take that walk as opposed to sitting down meditating for six hours straight. There's different ways to kind of approach that, which I thought was a really interesting. It's a hundred percent better to be incremental and yeah. do something every day. Than to say, like, you got stuck and not to be blamer, but you're like, like 10 minutes. You got bumped up. I d I, and you're like, five to 10. Yeah. I and, lost my way. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's better to let yourself <laughs> fail and do incrementally, make progress incremental, incrementally on a regular basis, than sort of insist on sort of a, you know, Herculean schedule and like, then stop doing it. Right. Yeah. And like, it will get better incrementally. Yeah. There's this podcast I like called Mage Talk, and um, the one of the hosts, um, mm. there's a quote from Phil where he's like, "Just let me run. I just want to run." Yeah, and, and like this yeah. makes me think about like the the stillness that you can get, the sort of general cognitive peace that you can get from like a long run or from yeah. just that kind of activity, sort of unmatched. Yeah, and it's, yeah, there's a lot to be said yeah, for it. He, I don't want to over, you know. Uh, spend too much time talking about just exercise, but it's kind of phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, it's a big deal. It's hard to do. I, and I remember I've been I've been I've been pretty consistent the last I don't know five six months. Before that, it would drive me crazy hearing people talk about exercise. And so yeah, Magento <laughs> every Magento event has like a run yep. that's before the event or something. And I did a 10k at Imagine like six years ago, and I like barely finished it i was limping for a couple of days and whatnot and and ever since then i'm like i'm not going to your stupid run i don't want to be at it yeah i'm coming here for the car and so i was i was very like annoyed by all that and now like you said i'm doing the mage hike i'm trying to get people. it's hiking. understandable though because you don't want to you it don't want a mental flip and before that ha who knows how to make that flip happen incrementally and slowly yeah and in really small steps yeah and do it for yourself by the way you look really good oh you've like i think since the last time we've uh, met you have to have dropped another like 15 pounds, couple and that, pounds. yeah you're you're looking i sharp. remember when i saw you on the hike it had been a couple months since i last saw you 
I saw you had the veins and the arms popping out. Vascularization. Yeah. So it's a function of running, interestingly. Really? But yeah, no, if you keep running longer and you don't so get it. So uh, it's not body fat? I thought it would be, it would have been body fat percentage. It, that, I, I can't say that doesn't play a role, right, because it probably does. But I do know that, like, if you increase distance, a function of that is vascularization. That's interesting. And so in, not even speed, right? So you say you run a mile and you improve your time on that mile. Interesting. And you get just your best time. Yeah. It doesn't have that same impact where if you start running three, then six, right. then having a long run where you run 10 miles, increased vascularization, so you get more blood to your extremities. It's like kind of, it's good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So. That's awesome. So um, <clears throat> we are, you're not going to believe this. We've been going strong for over an hour, but we're, we, we, we could go, we could keep going. Um, I don't want to over. It's we can split a, it. I, we can split it into two. We I got go. time. I got time. Um, I know we've covered a lot of the bases here. This is yet another time where I'm making an awkward segue. There's no code. I could go nuts on that. Um, intellectual curiosity. Mm -hmm. um, I'm gonna let you. You're doing a much better job at picking topics, so I'm gonna. Um, let's do how, let's decide how much time we have left and then pick two more topics. So Honest, let's say we have, I could go for another hour. I can't too. I don't have any limitations, but I want it to be a sort of consumable chunk. Cause we're going to, we'll edit up clips. Okay. You know? Great. Yeah. yeah. So um, we'll have the full version. We'll have clip. We'll decide on clips that are more actionable. So let's do no code and then let's do cognitive blind spots. Cause I think that's Perfect. an, that's going to end up eating up some time. Perfect. Um, yeah, so I've been, I've, I've been, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I've been, I've been interested in no code and we talked a little bit about beforehand. I've been messing around with air tape, air table and Webflow and different things. Um, I don't know how relevant this is for us to talk about, but it's just something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, so it's I'm, super I'm interesting. And I really like when we were talking before the podcast you saw the began, flow, you got a little excited. I was, <laughs> I mean, I think that it's, the idea of getting things to market quickly, the idea of being able to iterate quickly without sacrificing user experience is a really compelling um, idea. And as a programmer, and we talked about this, the idea of no code or WYSIWYG just immediately wins because I'm like, I'm going to have to fix it. Something is going to go wrong. That's yeah. like, I, that is WYSIWYG not. WYSIWYG is, yeah. is a joke yeah. to developers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has been for about yeah. 10 years, you know? Yeah. So I came, I mean, I come to it with a little bit of skepticism, but I think that if you can provide a fantastic, and, and we were able to look at, right, this great example of a fantastic user experience where you can iterate and get to market quickly, that is just so compelling, yeah. right? I mean, and I think that's a really good example or argument for no code in terms of different platforms. One interesting thing, you talked about Airtable, and there were some other platforms I wonder if there are like methodologies around implementing no code platforms that could be generalized. I mean, because as we both know, as we talked about, like if it's wrong, it's wrong. But then these guys really like what you kind of showed me, these folks really got it right. And you're right. able to, to like go. I wonder if there's a right. way that they've <laughs> implemented that that could be generalized. Yeah. It's hard to say, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different um, approaches that, as I've looked at the different tools, there's a lot of different approaches at how to how to slice the problem down and what functionality to give you and things like that. And 
there's a number of different tools. I'm still trying to wrap my head around all the different tools, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, I also think about Shopify, for example. I mean, I was again, so Magento centric for so long yep. and I've more recently been trying to say like, Hey, like Shopify does a lot of great stuff. Like don't be so antagonistic, you know? And, and, um, and so that's something I've been thinking about is, as a, as a platform that makes it easier to, um, get things done with less code. I don't know. Absolutely. If most of they the solve a lot of really distinct problems really well. Right. right? I mean, Shopify has a niche. Big commerce. I mean, uh, absolutely. All the, all the and they're an awesome company companies. too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think there's really something to be said for solving a, a problem for a set of customers in an excellent way that provides them real value and a great user experience. And clearly Shopify has done a right. fantastic right. job of that. Right. 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 Know, so. Yeah. I mean, most of the, quote, Magento community, there's a lot of agencies, for example, and mm -hmm. I'd imagine pra Praxis probably was at the time that were Magento only or certain, you know, and, and pretty much everybody has broadened out. Everybody yep. works on all the different platforms yep. now. We and did. We worked on Shopify okay. and, and yeah. BigCommerce. Oh, okay. So yeah. we were early and, um, that trend. Yeah. And there, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the work up earlier on was mostly design work, right? Like UI and templating stuff. But it's become... The case that it's, um, and I don't obviously I haven't touched Shopify in a while, so I don't want to pretend yeah. to speak for their current technical state or big commerce myself either. I'm just, yeah, you know. Well, but more and more you're able to think about business logic, as well as presentation logic, yeah. and so you're able to do more elaborate things right. and really solve business problems. Right, and they should get credit. Right, way. I mean that's that's adding value for the right. customer. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, it's definitely they're they're a cool platform. I think I think no code will never be ubiquitous. I think that like there's always gonna be a need to write middleware or modules that like yeah. address problems that are gonna invariably pop up. And I also think that the value proposition of Magento whereby if you're over a certain size and are integrated to like three legacy ERPs right. and you know that need for customization is going to drive your yeah. software selection choice. Right? Yeah. I mean, and, and that Adobe Magento provides value that you can't get anywhere else. Right. right? But there are some real small to mid-sized businesses that can get a fantastic experience right. and return from, from big commerce right. from Shopify. Right. And, you know, um, on the topic of open source, yeah. which is something you, you talked about in the beginning, and I know you're a big believer in, not just in terms of does this work for my business, but a lot of like also philosophically. Like, yeah, I yeah, am, man. Open source is important. And it's it's interesting because open source has had and is still is is massively successful model. But I wonder if you know SaaS is also a massively successful model, right? And it's like there was a period of time where open source, like, you know, Magento's open source and Linux, and it was almost like, well, open source is, is winning, and it's like everything is going to be open source. And then SaaS has, um, has, has been a very successful model. Yeah. And I wonder, um, is open, like, is... They're not competing narratives, not though. It's not no, necessarily yeah. an either-or. It could well, be a both. It could be a both and. It's literally both, right? Because a lot of SaaS solutions are leveraging open source libraries under the hood. Right. Under the hood, right? They're totally. not violating the GPL, right? 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, they're yeah, yeah. contributing that You're stuff You're allowed back. to sell on top of. They're selling a subscription to an online service. That's absolutely, it's almost great, right? Because it's. Because it's funding. It's, 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 it's a way you can monetize open source software, which has been a challenge, right? right? Like. So like Shopify probably contributes to open source. I can't think of anything offhand. I'm they sure they do. I wish stuff. I could think off the top of my head, but let's talk about um, Elkstack. Okay. Like Elasticsearch, Logstash, and Kibana. Okay. Um, are I think they have offices in Austin. And oh, really? Yeah. I have a buddy who works there in, in sales for them, and they're really well-known sort of open source uh, projects that are great for dashboarding and logging, monitoring, and alerting. Um, we should talk DevOps. I'm not super yeah, well versed. Yeah. I know you are, but we got to dive into that speaking, whole topic. Um, yeah, but so th these guys are doing well as a company. They have software as a service, but they're absolutely advocates for open source software. They contribute right. back to the community aggressively, and right. they're doing really well. Right. Um, and talking to my buddy Mac Buck, who who sells there, and so they're also, you know successful financially so i love that like there can be a software as a service model that supports an aggressively open source community and company where people are adding a lot of value and then a lot of folks i think you, you can still take that and you can run it without necessarily have to, having to purchase it but there's so much value in just having it available as a service that it's worth it right, right. and right. so i think that's that's great that's a that's an interesting perspective. I was somehow, um, I was somehow coming at it from the a, a different. They're competing, of like they're competing, like SaaS is going to kill off open source. But I think you're totally right, and that's actually a much more optimistic view. Is that no SaaS is funding open source? I that's mean, right. Every that's in my vantage point. I have to imagine uh, Shopify keeps coming to mind, but I have to imagine every big SaaS is heavily relying on. And if they have a great culture contributing yeah, back right. to open source, Adobe um, absolutely <laughs> is. Adobe, right? Adobe should should have been the first mention here, but yeah, they um, um, uh, Matt Matt AC, who was the who has since moved to AWS, who was the um, dev evangelist for Adobe, was really big in open source, really excited about the nature of Magento being open source with the acquisition, and there are a number number of other people there that. Um, that have talked about it's not coming top of mind, but there's a number of number of efforts, quite a few efforts, I believe, that Adobe has contributing back to open source projects. They're committed, and yeah. it's really cool. Yeah, and it's great for the community, and it's great for the. I mean, and it's great for the customers. Yeah. Um. So I I think that I mean that is the way I view it, and you could call it overly optimistic, but I do think that so like an open source is essentially more effective lower down the stack so if SaaS, if the if the if this if the product i'm paying for is SaaS and it's relying on open source maybe the the ideal monetization model for open source is lower down the stack or it we need to be it i think where we need to be careful right in my opinion is that like there was that um heartbeat vulnerability yep. in ssh and yep. like that uh you know, found its way to the wild and was exploitable. And like, I read an article on like, there was one, there were a couple people who were basically contributors on like, 
that binary and who are kind of maintaining that open source um, binary that basically secures every all packets that are moving between everything. Yep. They were understaffed. They weren't paid well enough, in my opinion. I think that we need to be careful that in terms of like, so Alk stack, I mean, that stuff does reporting. The smallest constituent parts of the operating system, and Red Hat does a good job of this too, right? Like thinking about um, making sure there's a lot of support for the kernel and stuff, but like making sure that we're responsible about contributing to packages that make the products secure and safe to use and we don't kind of overlook them and take them for granted. So I think there are a lot of open source projects that are able to be funded as a function of software as a service or get funding from um, foundations. I can't, I, for the life of me, can't remember. I think there's an, there's an open source uh, foundation that basically provides grants for folks right. who are working on stuff. And I think that just businesses need to be careful. And I know Adobe does this and just make sure that there are contributions and these folks who are doing this really important work are supported. I think financially and in terms of like uh, giving them a voice, you know? Right. So, right. but I do think that overall you're seeing, I don't know. I, I think that software as a service provides a real, really great vector for, um, enabling open source development. And I think yeah. a lot of products are predicated right. on really open source right. software. Like what isn't? That's the thing. Right? That's, the thing. That's right. what gets me. Like what what's not running on a right. you know. Right. We're recording this on OBS, which is open broadcast software. <laughs> so Yeah. Um so de okay, so I completely forgot about this. It's not in the doc, but DevOps, um, Magento. I don't know if we want to talk at all about Magento Cloud. Uh, we should. We should. We, we want to talk about any of the opportunity, like, where, like any opportunities to improve DevOps specific to Magento. We can also skip that entirely. I think that that's such a big conversation that I'm hesitant. That's to a part two. This. That's a part two for sure. Sounds good. Um, and I have a lot to say, but I want to also, yeah, I think it's a it's a part it's a part two because okay. I think it's a big, it's Fear a big enough. talk. Fear enough. Um, we can do. We talked about um, discussing blind trust. I've been fascinated. So this year I've been fascinated with a theme that I feel like I've run into where we talked about uh, Freakonomics. Like Steven Pinker wrote a book called Enlightenment Now. This guy Yuval Harari wrote couple books called sapiens, sapiens blew, blew my, my mind, mind. Yeah. <laughs> but there's this theme where a lot of folks are like hey it seems like you're running the show and everything you do is super intentional but probably a lot of your decisions are sort of subliminal to some degree oh, okay. people are getting a lot better at figuring out how you know, to sort of influence you and what you're doing and the choices you're making. And so it's more important now than ever to be just really intentional about your decisions and thinking about what you're doing. And this dovetails to meditation. This is a lot of what you've all talks about, but that like we have these blind spots, like sort of cognitive biases. And I think we've all heard of them. Like, so for example, confirmation bias, you're going to think you're right. 
and you, you're going to search for evidence. Right. Well, just to be so to just call out what confirmation bias is, people have a demonstrable tendency that's really well documented and there's a ton of data on it to come to a conclusion and then search for evidence that supports that conclusion. Right. Even if it they get like evidence, pretty strong evidence that contradicts that first thought. Right. It's confirmation bias, right? Right. And so I've been really interested in like what are that's a blind spot. Um, you know, what are our blind spots and how can, you know, how can we establish habits? Like you can establish habits like running and meditating. How can we establish like good habits that sort of like counteract those like known bugs, right? It's like known bugs. Right. Got it's it. Like, it's like known issues yeah. in our software. Yeah. See, I, see, I honestly kind of, kind of, <laughs> exactly. right. That's sort of how I look at it. And I it's remember like, looking up a Wikipedia of cognitive biases and biases and, yeah. and, and looking at it and there's like a bunch of them and I'm there like, are, and, and some of them, you know, and then others you're like, oh, surprised. Oh yeah. What is that? Ambiguity effect. What the heck is that? And there's a lot of them. Yeah. There are a lot of bugs. Yeah. But, the, but I mean, I think uh, the am like open source software. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think an interesting example that I, I, I want to quiz you on some of these There's so many cognitive biases. Oh, and I can't claim to like it's understand absurd. all of them really well. I'm in my I'm sort of personally trying to go through the big, big ones and see if I can establish good habits to correct. Yeah. I think a lot of folks like Gary Vee or whatever have been able to sort of. Peter Thiel, their, their advantage is literally that they're sort of correcting for some of this stuff. Either is a function, either is a function of just like they're built differently, or intentionally correcting for this bug. And that's a per, that's a pet theory, but I think that like these are like if you, for example, the recent oh, so gambling people gamble a ton, right? Yep. And they spend a lot of money on it. It doesn't ever make sense. No, like it. There's no Never. like, and you'll meet people I, like I, but, I, you'll I, meet a lot of people. Like, Look at blackjack. I can win. <laughs> I have a plan and, and you know, and then you go, so what happened last time? And they go, well, I lost, yeah. I lost a little bit. I yeah. lost a little bit, but the time before that I did. Let okay. me tell you about this one time <laughs> I was in Vegas time. and then also like, I knew a guy, I knew a guy I knew a guy. and this guy. Um, so like you would think, man, this never works. And the math is in on it. Like it's demonstrably like you're not going to win. And billions, probably more. I mean, not trillions, I guess, but like billions and billions of dollars spent a year on gambling, lottery tickets, stuff. That's a bug. It's kind of a bug. And it's so bug. it's like we're not great at math in that sense or evaluating. Um, we're not great at being objective. Right. When, and rational when presented with objective evidence, you know. Well, and I would almost say here, we know what it is, right? With gambling, we know from Skinner, B.F. Skinner, who is a psychologist, that a random reinforcement schedule mm -hmm. will potentiate a behavior predictably, right? Right. And that what is gambling? It's a random reinforcement. And they worked that. They I mean, found the, the bug, and they just ran with it. Exploited. It's almost immoral, right? I mean, it's right. almost... But... So and then you get into discussing capitalism, yeah, but there's it is regulated yeah. in certain ways. Yeah. In other ways it's not. And the lottery, a lot of that goes to like property taxes and stuff. So there's and that stuff was all illegal until it like, like, like lottery was like called running the numbers and it was illegal. And yeah. then the government was like, Oh yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. That's, that's legal now. <laughs> yeah, that's legal. <laughs> 
And by the way, only the government can do a lottery, right? Like, yeah, it is illegal. If we right? wanted to start a house game, it's like we'd probably, go- yeah, what's going on here? Yeah, guys? we might get, <laughs> we might get dang. We wouldn't do it though because it's immoral. Because it's because it's exploiting a bug. And then right. also, to me, there's like arbitrage in recognizing that like. Oh, this is fooling pretty much literally everyone or like like that's a huge market and it's going to keep being a huge market. If you can understand it as a bug and figure out how to override and not right sort of index on that, that's a it's a benefit. And if then if you can collectively go through sort of blind spots and look at where you can establish habits to counteract like known issues. Right, right. Which is sort of what the the meditation thing is, yeah. is that it's those 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 bugs related to you know whatever's being stressed and anxious and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, is what is what you're. It's a counterintuitive addressing. fix. Sit down and don't yes. think about anything. What it you're telling me that if I sit down and don't think about anything, that's gonna I'm gonna not be anxious. That makes no <laughs> sense at all. And yet, like, it actually does. Yeah. Go run for thirty minutes. Wait. So. There's all this stress in my life. My wife is mad at me. My kids are screaming. And you're telling me that it's not that that's the problem. I have to go run and that that's going to make everything better. Yeah. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. And yet it just it's it's sort of demonstrably right. effective. Like so much of the time we conflate our intuition with like truth. That's you know, right. Like if something is intuitive and, and like there's so many things that are true, but not intuitive. And there's a lot of things that are true and are intuitive. Yep. You know, so it's like it's it's yep, it's confusing. The life life is confusing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The example I came up with when I was thinking about it this morning was recency bias. Yep, we were chatting about yep. it. Yep, yep. Which is you're likely to weight information that you received more recently as being more relevant or likely to be correct, right? Just because of the time, the proximity to when you received it, right? And there was this guy who's the CEO of Stripe, Patrick Collison. Patrick Collison. Yeah, really interesting guy. He talked about reading books from five years ago. I caught that one. Liked it. So it was a really interesting way awesome. to counteract. And like not reading the news and stuff like that. Right. Or, and Well, not going for the shiny covers in the new bookstore in the airport, oh, right? Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. He gotcha. reads a ton. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like how crazy is it that there's thousands of amazing books that were all published – a hundred years ago, you know, and we all want to buy the New York Times bestseller that came out a year ago, right? Because it's what's marketed to us, and it's because, because it's what's it's new. What sells and it's what's new. Yeah, yeah. I like so I th- I've been trying to index on like looking at what were the best books five years ago around business, you know, uh, philosophy and literature, and like there's a real the stuff stands out. Sapiens and Homo Deus, two of my favorite books that I read this year, are 2011 and 2014, I think, respectively. So right. it's that effect where they kind of rose to the top to some degree. Right. And, yeah, I had an e-commerce idea, which was fiveyearsago.com, where you basically give the best across categories of everything that was, like, has risen to the top from five years ago, right? So that's you basically awesome. sell... So yeah, you, I don't know. You sell stuff that's popular today nope. and it started five years yeah, ago? Well, you, you sell the best it, of breed of stuff that's basically relatively popular today but is not immediate, right? It started five years ago. So okay. it's had a chance to be 
invalidated, right? Because a lot of the stuff right. that's super new is going to be invalidated. Let's talk about diets. I mean, like people that yeah. like this year, there are probably new diets that I don't know about. Yeah. Right? Just or, one just came out while we were doing the podcast. It did, <laughs> along with the JavaScript framework. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> dude. I'm dropping all my JavaScript framework. We're going to the new one. It's the new hotness. Yeah. But I think giving it five years, and so like having as a function of this site an algorithm that says, "Look, we're just de-indexing. We're not going to maybe not even present anything that's like immediately new." We're going to look at stuff that's Got between the date and the time. Like Amazon five years ago. Yes. That's really interesting. Right? Yeah. Like so we, I don't think you could, I think it would be hard to sell because people might be like, I don't want stuff that's five years old, but the the quality. But if they would, get it. If they like, get it and you could demonstrate that the quality of it's this. Like we talked about the Roomba and it's yeah. like, do you like it? And I was like, eh, nah. it's okay. It's like, it's like, show me something that somebody's had for five years. Yeah. And they actually like yeah. after five years. That's a lot more valuable than it came out a year ago. It's supposed to be really cool. Yeah. But maybe it won't actually be, you know, like maybe the hype isn't real. But after five, there's something about the five year mark or something out. like that. I just, I like that that rule that he has accounts for the recency bias. Correct. I think it's cool that he put this thing in place. To try to circumvent, solve for, you know, to solve for that problem. Reverse engineer. Yeah, that is super interesting. Um, yeah. So I think that's super cool. Now I'm looking for a segue. No, I think we're good, man. I know that was the last topic we wanted to hit. Uh, been going strong for like an hour and a half. The, the, re the, the list of biases thing is super interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, unless there's anything else you want to cover, we'll do the uh, we'll do a follow up. We'll we'll dive into the DevOps stuff. That's if great. If you're watching at home, check back. We're gonna talk DevOps, Magento Cloud, yeah, and um, lots of other cool stuff. So uh, that was so fun. That was fun. Thank you for inviting.